is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Haunted Road, a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. Listener discretion is advised. Thomas Whaley seemed destined to be a historic figure in one way or another. His ancestors arrived from Northern Ireland in Plymouth, Massachusetts in 1722. They specialized in business, particularly gunsmithing. His great-grandfather played a role in both the Boston Tea Party and the Revolutionary War by arming soldiers and quartering General Washington for a time. Thomas was born in New York City on October 5, 1823. Before Thomas was 10 years old, his father died. In his will, he stipulated that Thomas would have a robust education. He would attend boarding school, university, and post-grad studies with a tutor in Europe. But another source has a different take saying Thomas's mother, Rachel, noticed the aptitude her son showed for business, so she decided that he would be given the best possible education available at that time in order to one day manage the affairs of the family. In 1849, Thomas joined the rush to California in pursuit of gold. As a businessman, Thomas set up a shop in San Francisco where he sold goods to prospectors. At the time, he wrote to his mother, The circumstances under which I am going are indeed very favorable, and should I not succeed, the cause can only be attributed to myself. That certainly sounds like foreshadowing. In 1851, an arsonist burned down his store. Little did Thomas know that this was just the beginning of a series of unfortunate tragedies and deaths that would befall Mr. Whaley and his family, events that many believe have culminated in a home so haunted Employees have quit mid-shift, tourists have fled the property, and many refuse to even set foot within its doors. So, join me as we head to sunny San Diego and into the corridors of the very dark Whaley House. I'm Amy Bruni, and welcome to Haunted Road. After Thomas's store was burned down, instead of rebuilding on location, he was advised to relocate his venture to San Diego. So Thomas Whaley relocated to what is now known as Old Town. Thomas really became involved in local affairs, like when San Diego was the site of a skirmish between the native San Luis and the white settlers in 1851. The sheriff wanted to tax cattle belonging to the native people, an idea they did not like. There was an altercation at a place called Warner's Ranch, and Chief Antonio Gara was sentenced to death. Thomas Whaley was one of 12 people on the firing squad that executed Gara's sentence on January 10, 1852. On May 14, 1853, Thomas married Anna Louise Delaunay in New York City's Church of the Ascension. Thomas had written his mother about Anna when he was first heading to California in 1849. I may as well inform you that I have a particular regard for Miss Anna. 
Indeed, I love her and intend on marrying her if I ever return from California a rich man. The newlyweds returned to San Diego, where Thomas engaged in a sequence of short-term business partnerships, from operating a general store with his brother to owning a brickyard. Thomas and Anna's first two children were born before the family constructed the Whaley House. Francis Hinton, who was born on December 28, 1854, and Thomas Whaley Jr. on August 18, 1856. The growing Whaley family stayed with friends or rented out rooms in the interim. In September of 1855, Thomas purchased a lot from the city. The first structure completed on the property was a granary, which is now connected to the house and called the courtroom. It's speculated that this very lot was the site of the 1852 hanging of James Yankee Jim Robinson, a man convicted of robbery and accused of horse theft and murder. The hanging also took place in September, albeit three years earlier. Thomas had actually witnessed the hanging of Robinson, but apparently had no reluctance about buying the land. As an aside, shortly after the Whaley family moved in, they told the San Diego Union that they heard heavy footsteps in the house, which they believed to be the ghost of Yankee Jim. Seems paranormal activity goes back quite a ways at the Whaley house. The house that Thomas Whaley had constructed and completed during the Panic of 1857, an economic depression felt around the world. The Greek Revival structure sits at 2476 San Diego Avenue, again in Old Town. The first two-story home of its kind, with its mahogany and rosewood furniture, damask drapes, and Brussels carpets, was considered to be the finest new brick block in Southern California. There was a seven-foot-high adobe wall circling the perimeter, and two gates within the structure provided access to the yard. There was a back corral, useful for the team of horses for their carriage, and a brick outhouse. The bricks were made from Whaley's backyard, and the walls were finished with plaster made from ground seashells. Thomas allegedly said of the home, My new house, when completed, will be the handsomest, most comfortable, and convenient place in town, or within 150 miles of here. However, Thomas also showed financial interest in the expansion of the U.S. railway system. It seems like he hoped the railway's arrival would give him an opportunity to make money on his land holdings, enough so that the family could return to New York. But Thomas wasn't the only family member to invest time and money into the property. The yard and flowers were Anna Whaley's delight, and the kitchen garden contained all manner of vegetables and herbs. Fruit trees were orange, cherry, fig, and pomegranate. There were two cedar trees in the backyard, and Anna had planted the pepper tree on the side of the building herself. In addition to housing the Whaley family, the house functioned as the first courthouse for San Diego County, held the first commercial theater, and for a time acted as the Whaley and Crossthwaite General Store, all of which have been restored to the museum today. In the later months of 1857, Thomas first reopened the store in his new home, but shortly thereafter moved to a location closer to the Central Business District. Neither venture proved fruitful. 1858 was a bad year for Thomas Whaley and his family. First, 18-month-old Thomas Jr. succumbed to scarlet fever on January 29, 1858 in the Whaley home. Some good news came, though, when daughter Anna Amelia was born on June 27, 1858, also in the home. Later that summer, Thomas's business was once again burned down. But this time, the fire was started by rats with a penchant for chewing on matches. Liquor barrels were saved, but thousands of dollars were ruined. Thomas's other investments, like the brickyard and his home, brought in little to nothing. 
His business connections in San Diego had been soured by his dogged pursuits and the debts owed to him. After that year, especially with the loss of their son, the Whaley family left San Diego for San Francisco. In San Francisco, Whaley worked as a U.S. Army commissary storekeeper. Nearly six years in, though, complaints about his performance made their way to Washington. Facing dishonorable discharge, Whaley resigned in February 1865. During this period, Anna and Thomas also had three more children. George Hayes Ringgold, born November 5, 1860, Violet Eloise, born October 14, 1862, and Corrine Lillian, born September 4, 1864. In the meantime, Thomas rented the San Diego home to numerous occupants. At some point, while they were away, however, the home became infested with rats. Rats seemed to be a real problem in this bit of history. So when lawyer and justice of the peace Augustus S. Ensworth moved into the home in the summer of 1860 to manage the interests Thomas left behind, he had some very unwelcome roommates. In 1867, Thomas Whaley assisted in the American takeover of Alaska, where he established stores at Sitka, helped set up an American base, and served as councilman. Meanwhile, Anna and the rest of the family stayed in San Francisco. In May of 1868, a major earthquake hit the region, and after this, the Whaley family returned to their San Diego home. It wasn't in good shape, clearly. Thomas made all the necessary repairs, and daughter Lillian later recalled that the arch which stands between the two parlors was still in place. It is said that Yankee Jim, who had been arrested for stealing a boat, was hanged over that very spot. That spot today is still reported to be one of the most haunted spots in that building. That October, never one to shy away from making a buck, Thomas Whaley rented out an upstairs bedroom to a traveling theater troupe, the Tanner Troupe. For the troupe's opening night performance, the small room accommodated a stage, a few benches, and an astonishing 150 guests. It was standing room only, and the ladies had been advised not to wear their hoop skirts or petticoats that evening to allow for more room. Thomas Tanner, the leader of the troupe, died just 17 days after opening. The troupe was effectively disbanded by the end of January 1869. For a few years, the county rented some of the upstairs rooms for record storage. However, as the new town of San Diego was built up and became the hub, the records were removed during a raid in March of 1871. After that abrupt departure, Thomas made more renovations. He joined the granary to the house, changed the front facade of the home, and altered some windows and doors. The Panic of 1873, another economic crisis that triggered a depression in Europe and North America, certainly unsettled Thomas, who was still awaiting the fortune he imagined was waiting for him in California. It was at this time he reached out to his mother for financial aid. Between 1873 and 1875, Thomas left his family in San Diego and returned to New York, supposedly to settle his father's estate. His father had died in 1832. The will was supposed to have been settled when the youngest of Thomas's siblings reached 20 years of age. That had come and gone, so Thomas went to New York to force his mother's hand in the matter. He received $5,000, over $100,000 by today's standards, and put that toward his debts. After that time, Thomas returned to San Diego, but wasn't able to find work. The Whaley family was dependent on their firstborn son, Francis. All of this took a toll on the family. Idleness, poverty, and despair affected Whaley's disposition. His wife and children complained of abuse. 
His son George's passion for violin and to shape a career as a musician bore the brunt of Thomas's frustrations. George left home, donned his mother's maiden name, and tried to find a niche for himself. Anna Amelia and her younger sister Violet married their beaux in a double ceremony at the family home on January 5, 1882. Anna married her first cousin, John T. Whaley, and Violet married a man named George T. Bertolacci. Violet and George's marriage proved unbearable. Two weeks into Violet's marriage, as the couple was traveling back east on their honeymoon, she awoke one morning to find her husband gone. Bertolacci, as it turned out, was a con artist, and as Violet and her family later learned, had only married her for the substantial dowry he believed he would collect upon marriage. The humiliation and shame were profound, as Violet bore the moral burden of her husband's choices. The couple divorced in 1863, but Violet's suffering continued long after that. On July 5, 1885, Violet tried to drown herself in the family's cistern. It was this event that prompted a physician to keep an eye on her. After a period of Great Depression monitored by this physician, Violet died by suicide on the morning of August 18, 1885. She shot herself in the heart with her father's Smith & Weston 32 caliber pistol. He found her injured in the outhouse and brought her into the home. Violet died shortly afterward in the parlor. Thomas said, I don't think she lived longer than 10 or 15 minutes. She never spoke a word, never groaned. Violet had left a note, a stanza from the poem Bridge of Sighs by Thomas Hood. Mad from life's history, swift to death's mystery, glad to be hurled anywhere, anywhere out of this world. When asked by the coroner why Violet had threatened to take her life, Lillian explained, I don't know why. I think she was tired of life, tired of living here, thought no one cared for her, and that her life was a burden. The coroner also asked if there had been any kind of fight or disagreement the night before, but Lillian painted a clear picture of the family's efforts and concerns. No, no one had words with her that night. Been a long time since we had any words or bad feelings with her. Did all we could to make it pleasant for her. We're far from saying or doing anything unkind. Furthermore, Thomas added that Violet had shown no particular life or interest for some time. She was naturally of a lively nature and loved music very much, played the piano and guitar, and seemed to take more interest in such things lately. We thought she was getting better. This dark chapter catalyzed Thomas to build the family a modest escape in the new downtown on State Street in November of 1885. Thomas maintained a real estate business until his retirement in 1888, a decision spurred by his failing health. He died two years later, on December 14, 1890, in the family's downtown home. Meanwhile, the original Whaley house was neglected. Francis Whaley, eldest son and surely saddled with much family responsibility, resolved to restore the home. His mother, Anna, sister Lillian, and brother George all lived in the home together. Francis utilized the family home as a residence and tourist attraction where posted signs outside promoted its historical nature and then he would entertain visitors with his guitar. Daughter Anna Amelia died in Modesto, California on December 18, 1905. Anna, the Whaley matriarch, died in the home on February 24, 1913. Eldest son Francis died in the home on November 19, 1914 and violinist George Whaley died January 5, 1928. He was residing in the home at the time, 
but we can't find any record that he died in the home. Lillian maintained her place in the home until her own death in 1953 at a nearby nursing home. At that point, she had been the sole caretaker for nearly half a century, so it had fallen into a terrible state of disrepair. But even in ruin, it was beautiful. Supporters of the home raised money to restore the home and preserve the story it tells of early San Diego life generally, and the Whaley family specifically. It was registered as a historic landmark in 1932 and was dedicated as a historic house museum in 1960. Clearly, paranormal claims within the Whaley house have run rampant over the years. It is easily one of the most notable haunted homes on the West Coast. Workers and visitors claim to hear strange, unexplained sounds, sights, and even smells. Many feel a powerful presence whenever inside the residence. Another common report is loud footsteps stomping on the floor. Reports also point to the sound of a child crying and giggling. A young woman, many believe to be Violet, has been reported on numerous occasions on the second floor of the house. Cold spots are frequent throughout the mansion, also believed to be Violet's doing. The stairwells within the residence have been mentioned by many to be the wandering area for Thomas, Anna, and other spirits. Thomas is often seen sporting his trademark top hat and coat while looking down from the top of the stairs. Some people have detected the scent of French perfume permeating the home, a favorite of Anna's that she often wore. On top of all this, physical objects are often manipulated on their own, such as the music room's chandelier, which will swing back and forth at will when no wind is present, lights will turn off and on without explanation. So up next, we're going to talk with Chudi Mahadevan. She is a former tour guide and docent from the Whaley House, and she's going to fill us in on what you can expect if you plan a visit there. Also, I haven't mentioned this, but this is one of the few places we've covered on Haunted Road that I've never been. So you and I are in this together, and I'm very excited to hear what Chudi has to share with us. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So I am sitting here with Chudi Mahadevan, who is a former tour guide and docent from the Whaley House. And she's had a lot of experiences. She spent a lot of time there. She's got a lot of thoughts and theories on what's happening at the house. She was referred to me by a number of people who told me she was the person to talk to about the Whaley House. So welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Like so many of the guests that we have, we had a number of technical issues trying to get Chudi on the show. <laughs> and I feel like this is just like the byproduct of trying to do a haunted podcast. <laughs> um, so can you just kind of let us know, like, what is it that you did with the house and how long did you spend there? Yeah, so I was there for about a year. I was a docent there and I gave tours to guests. And that was just kind of cut short because of COVID, right? 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a huge bummer. I mean, and now it sounds like they've reopened, but you've already taken a job working on another haunted location, the USS Midway. It seems like nowhere I work, it's always just haunted. (laughs) (laughs) I have that problem too. I don't know. It's really strange. I mean, in a year, it sounds like you've gathered a lot of experiences at the house itself. What attracted you to working there? Did you go there knowing that it was haunted or was there any other reason why you ended up there? Actually, yeah. So the first time that I actually went there, I was in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like so scared because, you know, when you're a kid, you know, you hear like the house is we're going to a haunted house, we're going to Whaley House. And I was like, oh, no. But uh, I don't know. I just fell in love with it. Have you always lived in San Diego then? Yeah, born and raised. So you basically have had that house in your backyard this whole time. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> and so and that is your bulldog in the background, right? That's not a ghost. You hear him <laughs> yes. just a little bit, but I just wanted to verify. Every time there's a strange noise while doing this podcast, I get a million comments on Twitter and Facebook and people want to know what it was. So just for clarification, you hear a strange growling in the background on Chudy's end. It's her adorable dog. <laughs> well, we also did have spirits in the house that had, we had little four-legged ones too. So not only humans, we had pets. So I heard that about the house. So let's skip ahead to that because I'm curious. People ask me about animal ghosts all the time. And so I had heard that there was at least a ghost of one dog in the house. What kind of experiences were people having with that? So people would come in the house, especially children, you know, like animals are more open to seeing things. So I've had kids come in the house and they're like, oh, there's a doggy. There's a little doggy. And I was like, oh, what color is it? Because we have three animals that people have been seeing. Um, There's Dolly. She was a little white fox terrier. She's probably the most, like people have gotten pictures of her. She likes to hang out underneath the dining room table. So when we have people come in, I always tell them, you know, make sure you take pictures underneath the dining room table because you might see so we have a little white fox terrier. Um, there's a little pug. People have heard like respiratory, like breathing, like, like, <laughs> like your dog is doing right now. <laughs> yeah. And his name is Chubby. It's a little pug. And then there's also a little black cat named Winks. Oh, okay. And now all of these animals, are these animals that you guys have documented actually spent time there over the years? Or are these names that you've given these ghosts? They were actually named by the Whaley's. Okay, so these are actual animals that the Whaley's had in the house. Yes. Going through the history of the Whaley house, it's very tragic. Like there are just a number of tragedies and just kind of back and forth that went on with that family and and Thomas Whaley in particular. Do you think that's why the house is so haunted? I believe so. I believe it's one of the most haunted places in America because even before the house was built, like he built it himself, that is actually where the gallows stood. Right. And so I know that he supposedly even witnessed a man being hanged there before he even bought the property. So he knew about its history and even thought the house was haunted after he built it. Yeah. So even the family themselves, the Whaley's, even said the house was haunted. They experienced um, footsteps which we still hear to this day. Even their daughter, Violet, who committed suicide in the backyard, they could feel her presence in the house. A lot of people feel sadness, depression, anxiety. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, her death was especially tragic because, you know, the family really, they knew that she was contemplating suicide at that point and they had tried to stop her. And it sounds like she really, really went out of her way to kind of hide it from them and see it through. And I can't imagine just how they felt at that point. Yeah. That poor family, they went through so many tragedies. Like they lost uh, Thomas Jr. when he was only 18 months from scarlet fever. He passed away in his mom's arms. And then Violet, it's just, so I think it just has to maybe like the residual energy. and Yeah. I mean, I think so for sure. I mean, I just, when you go through everything they went through, it just makes perfect sense how that house could become haunted. Now let's talk about experiences people have had there. Like what was your first experience in the home? So my first experience, this was probably my second week there. And I was upstairs, um, the San Diego's first commercial stairs. It's probably one of my favorite rooms. I was sitting in the chair and I was giving a little tour to a group of people. And my chair literally just started like shaking. Like someone was right behind me, just like shaking it. I didn't, I didn't get up. I just sat there and I was like, okay. And the curator was in the same room and he's like, welcome to the Whaley house. <laughs> first experience. I'm just more sensitive than others. Everybody that has worked there, they have had experiences. Sometimes mm-hmm. they're just nervous to talk. Right. That makes sense. So you said the curator at that point was like, welcome to the Whaley house. And so, I mean, I feel like so many employees there must have had experiences over the years, maybe even unwittingly. Have you heard of anyone like quitting their job because of what happened to them there? Oh, yeah. Especially volunteers, too. Especially the non-believers. There's one volunteer who's like, I don't believe any of this crap, blah, 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 blah. Like, okay, you know, everybody has their own beliefs. And then he saw something super crazy. I didn't see it. I'm glad I didn't see it. I don't want to see it. (laughs) I never want to see what he explained to me. Like, he just looked freaked out. And I was like, what happened? Are you okay? He's like, no. I was like, tell me what happened. So in the courtroom, that's probably my least favorite room. I'll tell you my experience in there because I just avoid that room. Well, he saw it was at night and he said it looked like a small, small child and it just looked like it had like a broken leg and it was like limping, sliding across the floor. And then he never came back. I mean, that would be so tragic to see something like that. That's one of the weirdest things about the Whaley House to me is all these strange incarnations of what it was. It was a general store. It was a courthouse. It was a theater upstairs. Like It just seemed like Thomas Whaley was always trying to find a way to use the house to make an income. And so what happened to you in the courthouse exactly? So this is probably one of the strangest experiences I've ever had. So I went into the courtroom on the left-hand side. I probably just walked in there just at the wrong time. There's, I just felt this energy just literally go right through me. And I almost passed out. Like oh, lightheaded, dizzy. I got a little nauseous. And I was like, I, I got to step outside for a minute. I got to get some fresh air. 
Yeah. So, so do you think like when that kind of thing happens, do you think that you're having like almost like a panicked reaction to this energy that you're feeling? Or do you think that this whatever it is, is actually like physically making you ill? I, I don't know if it's trying to make me ill. I think they know that I'm not scared of them. I think because <laughs> this might sound crazy well to some people but I'm sure you understand like when I go into the house I would say good morning to them like I had a, this sounds weird but I kind of had like a little relationship with the spirits there because I would communicate with them like talk to them out loud but I don't know if it made me ill or if it was trying to get my attention or it just I think it just went right through me right exactly I mean it sounds like a lot of the experiences that people have there are I mean, obviously, people have a lot of like kind of benign type experiences where they see something or they hear something. But there are these kind of more powerful, almost physical experiences that people have. In my experience, when that happens, it's usually someone who's really trying to get a person's attention or really trying to get some sort of message across. Do you feel like these spirits at the house are unsettled in any way or that there's something that they need accomplished still in their world? I think so, especially one of the men that was executed there. Or, I mean, we don't know how many hangings happened on that property. And there could have been a lot more deaths on the property that we don't know that weren't documented or written down in their diaries. Right, right. I think I covered at least five or six in the history, but it does sound like there could have been more for sure. There is one that was brought up. I don't know if you have any other information on this, but there was supposedly a little girl who potentially had passed away on the property. It was like an accident, but I wasn't able to verify that. So someone made up that story. They said that she died in the backyard from like a clothesline. And then it just spread like wildfire. Okay, that's what I thought. And that's what we found as well. You know, I always want to ask because maybe some new information came to light since we researched this. I feel like you don't need to start rumors about the Whaley House. I feel like there's plenty of tragedy to go around. You don't need to make up any more. Yeah, there's enough going on in that house. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so now what kind of experiences, like if you're just a visitor and you're going to the Whaley House to visit, what kind of experiences do you think people could expect to have? So a lot of people, they would come to me, they're like, I feel super sad. I feel depressed. I've had people just break down and cry. Right. Upstairs is extremely heavy for me. Mm -hmm. And I believe Violet was on suicide watch upstairs. Right. And their son passed away upstairs as well. So, I mean, that's just like a daytime moment. Like you can just walk through and you can feel it. Now, you talked about what happened to you in the courthouse. What other experiences of note have you had or other people had that you think are extra powerful? This is an experience I haven't really shared with a lot of people because it, it did startle me a little bit. So I was giving a tour downstairs. We were standing right between the study and the parlor, right where the archway is, where approximately where the gallows stood. Thomas mm -hmm. Whaley built that. We don't know why. Only mm -hmm. he could tell us why. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I was standing there talking and a guest said, you have a red looks like rope fibers around your neck. Like mm -hmm. you have red scratch around your neck. And I was like, what? And then I looked in the mirror and it looked like rope fibers around my neck. And I was like, oh my God. And then I had to step outside for a minute after giving that little tour. 
my boss was like, oh my God, she's like, we haven't seen that in such a long time. It doesn't happen a lot. Oh, so this is something that has happened to people before and unbeknownst to you, I'm assuming at that time until your old boss let you know. Yes. And people are like, oh my God, why are you still working here? And I was like, I think they're just trying to get my attention. I'm like, okay, you have my attention. Yeah. How many people were like, how can you possibly work there? Oh, tons of people ask me like, why do you work here? Why do you like it? It's just like, I'm like, I guess I'm just weird. I'm like, I just like, (laughs) not weird, but um, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that there are plenty of people who work there who don't really care about the ghost aspect, but they're just there for historic purposes. But, you know, I think there are some people that it just takes, it takes a special kind of person who's almost there for the ghosts, but in kind of like a compassionate way, or just kind of a, you know, you want to make sure that their story is being told or they're being treated respectfully. Like I start feeling almost protective of ghosts in particularly historic places And like you said, you go in and you say good morning and you say hello to them and things. And like, do you think that's kind of just part of your personality? I think so. Yeah. And I just have like this unique bond with the house and the spirits there, even like on their anniversaries, like on a wedding anniversary or their birthday, I would bring like flowers or cupcakes or something just to just something for them and then for the coworkers as well. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's important to kind of keep recognizing those moments to them. And, you know, it lets them know that you care. And I think it also kind of forms like almost a friendship or a bond with them. And full disclosure for people listening, like this is one of the rare episodes of Haunted Road where I've not investigated the Whaley House. I have been to San Diego many times. And the one time I was like, I'm going to go tour the Whaley House. I showed up and they were doing some sort of renovation and I was unable to go inside. So I was able to see it, but I wasn't able to visit and it's on my bucket list. And so I'm kind of living vicariously through you and your experiences right now. Because it is just, it's an unusual situation, especially because I, you know, lived in California almost my entire life. How did I not ever set foot in that house? So I feel like it's destiny that I'm supposed to go there at a certain point. You know, like there's going to be like the perfect reason for me to go there. Maybe we'll go there with Kindred or something. But I do feel like just reading through the history and everything that has gone on there, that there has to be some sort of unresolved issues happening. And I'm just so curious. Have you gotten any signs or has anybody investigated and gotten any EVPs or anything to kind of clue you in on what they might want or need? We have gotten EVPs. I feel like there's so many, there's so many spirits in that house Mm -hmm. other than the Whaley's. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like a lot of the executions that took place there might have a lot to do with it too. Yeah. I was upstairs. I almost got pushed down the steps. I felt hands on my back. So I don't know if that was one of the gentlemen that was executed there. And he was just like, And then I literally said out loud, that's not okay. Do not push me. That's definitely not okay. Yeah. I'm like, no, I don't want to go down the stairs. (laughs) You don't want to become a spirit at the Whaley House. So, I mean, kind of along those lines, do you feel like any of the activity there is dangerous? Um, It's a possibility. Like a lot of people are like, that's scary that you almost got pushed down the steps. You got 
rope fiber on your neck and you still work them like yes yes i do i just <laughs> love that house <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that does sound kind of aggressive i mean and um little bit. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we were talking before we started recording about like Dave Schrader's experience there when they were filming Holzer Files. And, you know, he literally got like pushed or shoved. And so it just makes you wonder. And again, it's around that area where the gallows supposedly stood. And I find it interesting, too, you know, that Thomas Whaley literally watched, you know, someone be hanged on that property and then went ahead and just decided to build a house there anyway. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would, but you know, he knew full well. The house actually kind of fell into disrepair a few times before it was, you know, it kept being kind of resurrected and brought back to life. Why do you think people have this fascination with the Whaley family? Like, why do you think that this is such an important historical site? I think because it's, it was the first brick mansion built in San Diego at mm. that time. People are just fascinated by the history of the family and paranormal phenomena that happens there. And people want to see the house come in, hear their stories, hear about their lives, and they really want to experience and see things. Yeah. Yeah. It usually happens when you least expect it to. Yeah. Do you guys have like regular paranormal investigations or ghost tours or is it just open for daytime tours? It's usually open for daytime tours. Okay. And so people don't really investigate that much there, do they? Or Not that much, no. Okay. Now, is there anything in particular that raises the activity level that you've, you've noticed? Is there anything people do or anything that happens that causes activity to spike? Mm-hmm. So if you like provoke them or let's say people come to the house and they're rowdy or being a little disrespectful, the whaleys they will set the fire alarms off. <laughs> and then, oh. yeah, and then everybody's escorted out. So the whaleys are like, okay, you're being disrespectful in our house. You know, okay, time to go, time to leave. <laughs> I love that they figured that out. They're like, oh, if we do this thing, this will make everyone leave immediately. <laughs> That is wild. I'm actually surprised more ghosts haven't caught on to that. Right? And I'm like, I don't blame them. I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want someone coming in my house being disrespectful. Well, no, of course. And like, you know, I always wonder, like, what is the byproduct of that ultimately when you go into a home and you just keep talking about the bad things that happened over and over again? I always try to stress that in some of these historic locations to myself that I have to tell myself, like, don't define this place by the bad things that happened. That's not fair to the people who were here before. That, yes, bad things happened, but there were also probably plenty of very, very good things, too. You know, holidays and gatherings and weddings and births and, like, all these wonderful things. And we try to talk about that when we investigate, too, and it gets a lot of responses. And so I wonder, you know, sometimes you have these locations where people come in and they just keep talking about the bad stuff that happened. And I could see them getting kind of riled up by that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'd be like, come on, go show yourself or, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm very protective of that house. So I'm like, oh, you might you need to turn it down a little notch. They're not going to be happy. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one of the things we really strive for. I'm sure you understand where you kind of have to remind people that ghosts 
we're people too, in theory, and they're not, you know, here to perform for you and do tricks. Like, you know, that there's probably a very real reason that they're still here and you could find yourself in their shoes one day. So maybe be a little more respectful, you know. So now I know that you're you're not at the Whaley House any longer, but if people do want to visit, what do they need to do? It's back open for tours now, right? Yes. So Old Town Trolley Tours has the house now. They're running it. Yeah. Oh, great. So they just need to go to Old Town Trolley Tours and connect with them and they can take a tour of the house. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Okay, perfect. And in the meantime, people can find you on the USS Midway. Yep. (laughs) Okay, so it sounds like I'll need to do an episode on the Midway. And we'll talk about that. Now that's a place I have visited. And it is really cool. So yeah, good choices, good choices you're making. So well, you know what, Shooty, thank you so much for relaying your experiences. I appreciate it. I find the Whaley House to be super fascinating. I think a big part of that is because I have not really been able to go in there yet. And so I'm so curious. You were lucky to be able to do what you did for so long. And it makes me happy that you're still really, you know, speaking up for the house. Oh, yeah. The house, it'll always have a special place to me, like in my heart. So I'll probably be back there one day. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. The Whaley House is now officially calling to me. All this history, lore, and reports of paranormal activity has my interest intensely piqued. Having spent most of my life in California, it's wild to me that I never investigated at the Whaley House, but maybe fate had other plans. Maybe I just wasn't ready. So please, if you do happen to visit, reach out to me on social media and let me know how it went. If you get a whiff of French perfume or see a fleeting vision of Violet, I wouldn't be surprised one bit. I'm Amy Bruni, and this was Haunted Road. Haunted Road is a production of iHeartRadio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. The podcast is written and hosted by Amy Bruni. Executive producers include Aaron Mankey, Alex Williams, and Matt Frederick. The show is produced by Rima Ilkayali and Trevor Young. Taylor Hagerdorn is the show's researcher. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.